0: You're listening to the TNT Effect, the athlete's podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and other sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. T.R. Roll. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today we have Coach Lloyd Yaxley of the Orlando Pride. He is the goalkeeper coach, by the way. First of all, let's talk about this impressive resume that you have. You work with some impressive or world class athletes, world class goalkeepers. Ashlyn Harris, you've worked with Stephanie LeBay. And how is it working with some of those top notch athletes in comparison to working with some of the, the youth athletes? Because you do have experience working with like US soccer. Um, youth national teams, they're U23, yeah. U eighteen. So let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: it's um I mean it's it's a it's a a blessing to be able to work with um the talented people that I've been given an opportunity to work with. And um I think no matter what environment I go into, like I'm always gonna try and develop and try and teach. So whether that's an ash or a steph or um a jane campbell or or whoever, or if it's a sixteen year old like they still have that hunger to learn and to get better so there's not that much difference i mean obviously the the end results are a little different just because they're f- at different stages of their careers, but um you know the majority of the time the attitude and the work rate that they have towards getting better is is what I kind of thrive off of
0: mm-hmm so you talk about learning, that ability to learn. What are the things or the key points that you focus on when you're teaching your players or developing those players and what are some things that they should actually be hungry to learn?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the part that you you don't see. I think you see a lot of the the technical and the tactical learning on the field. But like I do think that off the field is something that younger athletes um, aren't as efficient with um, in their game. So, you know, like our more experienced goalkeepers at the Pride, like Aaron McLeod and, and Ash, like they understand the recovery and the mental side of the game and they, they get what works for them better away from training and away from games. And I feel like the, the younger athletes, like that's something that's very new to them. So it's kind of introducing that, and you know, you might introduce visualization, or um, you know, some a recovery process, or something like that. Um, but I think that's a big difference. And then, you know, what is that athlete doing away from the field, as, as far as like watching games and understanding the game better, and um, those little those little one percent, two percent, I think is what sets aside the good from the great.
0: So from your perspective as a coach, like what age would you, you know, the ideal age would you ask players or or it would be to their benefit to start thinking about the mental side of the game, thinking about the recovery process, all of those things that that are essential off the field so -hmm. you can produce or perform on the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that the recovery process can probably come later than the mental processes that could help that goalkeeper better perform or that athlete better perform. Um, Just because the, the recovery and that, you know, there's no point telling a nine, 10 year old, all right, you need to ice bath after playing and you need to, um, you know, do all that stuff because their body's still growing, their body's still developing. So it's just a different, a different stage of their, Uh, physical development um so you know that part of the recovery would would maybe be 14 15 would be a rough guess and I have have no science to back that up at all that's just me kind of putting a number to a thought but as far as the mental process like I really think you can start that at eight nine ten years old like if someone is serious about a sport I think why not say hey like Imagine yourself making the best save or scoring the best goal or hitting the best golf shot, whatever your sport is. I really think that, you know, learning those basic techniques of of visualization or or whatever it might be, might be, um, can really help their growth. And then as they get older, they might add a lot more layers to that process um, to best suit them. So the mental side, I think, is, is an area that is often not spoken about, but I really think it can add massive gains to, to people's games.
0: Absolutely. And um, as far as the recovery goes, like, I can speak to that a little bit. Yes, when you're really young, it's, it's difficult to one, to get them to buy into it and be consistent with it, but also they are growing. So there are certain things they don't they don't necessarily have to start as young, um, like you mentioned, the ice baths and things of that nature. Um, when it comes to stretching, I mean, I mean, they may or may not be super flexible anyway, so you don't want to get into the point where you're stretching someone who's already flexible. Um, but it is, you know, getting into the mindset of recovering with nutrition, Mm -hmm. Um, That is important, you know, the what you eat and how you fuel your body. That is absolutely important. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, That's a part of the recovery process. And just being able to take care of your body, making sure you when you get out of your uh, your cleats, making sure you're having the proper footwear, all of those little things, little nuances that are important for younger athletes. And then as they get older, yes, you start to implement some more detailed recovery um, techniques into the into their game into the process and so thinking about COVID-19 and everything that's happened and what's happening now Orlando Pride the Challenge Cup they weren't they weren't able to participate how is that for you all you as a coach and also seeing the players and how did did that affect you all
1: yeah I mean it's it's definitely been the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with as a coach, um, you know, because we were obviously preparing and, and really excited to go and compete in the tournament, and then um, what happened happened. We had multiple positive tests with COVID, so then it was almost like, all right, well, how can we keep the team um, positive, and how can we, I guess, see this as a I don't know if a stepping stone is the right analogy to use, but how can we see this as part of the journey um, and, and and a part of our process to make us better as a team or make us stronger as a collective? Um, so, yeah, it, it was really hard. And and even before that, when, you know, we would do an individual training and we were restricted to the number of players that you could have, have within training, it was... Um, and everyone was doing it because the whole league was, was mandating that that was what we were allowed to to be doing at that stage of time. Um, it was just very different, like not to be able to have that that close interaction or you know even strike a ball at another goalkeeper. They had to do it all themselves, so it was it was really challenging. And um, I don't know, like it was it was the hardest thing was probably watching the other teams playing the games though and not being a part of it and not being not being able to compete. Um, and it, I guess it's just made us hungrier for these. Um, well, we, played, we played on Saturday, but these next three games that we have coming up um, and going into next year, like it, we're going to, we're going to really thrive off that um, missed time that we didn't get in Utah.
0: Right. So with all that extra time and it made you hungrier. So during that time, you know you've crossed the phase one uh maybe even phase two of of returning to play, and so now you have all this time to just train, 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 watch the other teams play, uh really do your scouting on those different teams and get ready for now the fall series um how What does training look like these days
1: yeah i mean I mean we're pretty much back to normal now um we're missing quite a few players because they went on loan, um, to Europe. Um, so we've bought in new faces. We've, we've bought in players that, um, might not have necessarily been given an opportunity to play, but now they are and they're, they're taking it with both hands. Um, but yeah, we're training right now is back to normal. I guess the only thing that is different is still within our facility, like use, use of the gym and meal time and, Um, things like that we still have to socially distance and um, wear a mask around the facility and temperature checks and you know the the nasal swabs and all that fun stuff so that's really the only difference in our day-to-day job at the moment um, is more off the field than than on the field on the field we're full training we're we're rolling with what we have so
0: awesome so you touched on players getting an opportunity who might not have had an opportunity if other players maybe have not gone out on loan. Talk about the importance of staying ready so you don't have to get ready for those players who may not have as much confidence and, you know, believing that they will get an opportunity over some of the other players or the starters. Talk about that point.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing with life in general and, and, and sport, I guess highlights it is that you never know when an opportunity is going to come. So I think it's imperative that, that you're ready for whatever comes your way. Like I, I, there's a, a great example. Um, I think it's two, two or three years ago, um, our second choice goalkeeper got injured and we were playing in Seattle. So I had to call up, like I called up a girl, Caroline Stanley, and kind of said, hey, can you meet us in Seattle, train the day before the game, and then, you know, you'll just sit on our bench, and that will kind of be, the end of it. Well, like, 15 minutes into that game, uh, Ash, took a goal kick, and tore our quad, Um, so, Caroline ended up playing, um, you know, 75 minutes of that game, that, she was just, been called in to sit on the bench, just, to kind of, fill a spot, uh, ended up training with us, for the rest of the season, so, um, you, just never know, you just never know when that opportunity is going to come you never know when someone's going to get an injury or you don't know what the coach sees you doing or what their thoughts are on you so you might have done something in training that they want to reward you for with some minutes so you have to be ready and you have to have that mentality of when I get my chance I'm going to take it because um, if you don't there's going to be somebody else that does so super important
0: I agree. Um, Having that mentality, being hungry, being ready um, and believing in yourself no matter what the circumstances are, because you you have no idea what may happen. And so if you have that confidence that I can perform at any moment and the coaches see the confidence, they see your hard work and they are ready to like, hey, your turn. Your turn to shine. Show me what you have. Show me what you've been working on and you mm-hmm. just may get the opportunity, and now you're the starter. Now you're yeah. coming off the bench and getting those minutes that you never thought you would have you know, had the opportunity to get at some point. Yeah. And so I think that's a, a, a great point. And going into your coaching style, so I've seen you in action, and you were like, <laughs> Super fun to be around, super fun to to be coached by. I've never been coached by you, but I probably would never have had the opportunity to be coached by you at (laughs) 11 But uh, I know I've seen you coach some of the athletes and it's, from my perspective, it's it's great seeing you coach the athletes. So what is your coaching style? What do you thrive on as a coach?
1: Well, I I appreciate the kind kind comments. it must have been a one-off video because I'm normally like uh, an evil, an evil guy in there coaching. But um, <laughs> no, I think I, I guess the the best way I, I describe my style is it's it's a collaboration. Like um, I I don't want my session design or whatever I'm working on to all be about me because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not me that's got a, it's not me that's got a form. It's the athlete. So. Um, it is a collaboration and like there's times within my sessions that I'll, I'll say to the, the goalkeepers that I'm working with, like if this movement doesn't feel right or if this aspect doesn't feel realistic, then, then like tell me and we can change it and we can, you know, and it might be something as simple as just a, a step here or, or moving set in a different way. So it is collaborative. Um, I try and put little twists on it. Like I, I do believe that other sports, um I can take things from other sports and and kind of get little um twists and turns on what I do with my goalkeepers. So um it, it might be something like I always use like ice hockey goalkeeping as a as an example, like the way they position position their hands or position different body parts in certain aspects of in certain phases of play, like it really interests me. Um so I'm always trying to find little, little edges or little um, ways that we can have little gains here and there for the goalkeepers. Um, but obviously the session needs to be fun and it needs to be challenging. Um, so, so yeah, but look, it, it is a collaboration and it, and it isn't me saying, no, it's got to be done this way because at the end of the day, what works for me or what works for you or what works for another goalkeeper might be the complete other end of the scale for another person. So it is finding finding a way to put how I want my goalkeepers to look and perform and saying why I want them to look and perform in that certain way and in that scenario and the benefit of being of playing that way, well then they can add that to their game or or that might not work for them. But that's cool. Like I'm fine with that. Like if if what I'm saying isn't gonna work for how you play, like that's great. Like I'm fine with that. Um so hopefully like I can just add other, other components to their game that they maybe haven't thought about or, or maybe haven't realized is something that could be a real strength of theirs. Um, and then just highlight, hey, you're getting success from doing this. This is great. Like, let's, keep, let's keep trucking along this road and um, see what other layers we can add.
0: Good. So how do you manage those goalkeepers that you have for a short period of time versus you're working full time with goalkeepers? Because there are those moments where you go in – to again US soccer and you're working with athletes for it could be maybe a week less than a week more than a week and then you have your players that you're working with for an entire season plus
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's. It, I mean it's definitely different um, you know with um, with the pride goalkeepers I can have a I wouldn't say a year plan but I can have I can see things that they need they need work on and I can Manipulate the schedule to to grow those areas or to strengthen those areas. Whereas, you know, if, if we're we're in a US soccer camp, I've probably may not have ever worked with that goalkeeper before. Um, I may have only been able to get snippets of conversations from other coaches about what that goalkeeper's strengths weaknesses are. But then I might see other strengths and weaknesses. And then on top of that, it, it really depends on. Um, you know, is it a tournament that you're playing in? Is it just a one-off camp? Is it, um, like, because between that development, you've also got to get the performance side of it. Like, um, if you're about to play against Sweden, then you've got to get them ready to play against Sweden and not work on a weakness within their game. You've got to give them confidence. So the 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 one-off camps is always interesting. And it's, and it's again, trying to put my little twist on, on the way that, um, I want the goalkeepers to look. That's obviously harder in a week or ten days or whatever it is than over a year or, or five years, whatever it is. However long I get a chance to work with certain people, um, but I think it is just like with the with the the youth national team goalkeepers and the, and the the youth goalkeepers that I work with in Orlando. It, it's just like planting seeds and and. And you know, every now and then you'll you'll say, "Hey, like, remember we spoke about this? Well, this this can really work for you." And you just keep keep growing that seed. And who knows? Like the the youth national team goalkeepers that I've worked with in the past, like I might get another opportunity to work with them, and then we can just keep 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 growing on that stuff. But it is definitely a different. Um, I don't know challenges a coach, but it's a different mentality almost when you've got a season to grow someone than when you have a, a week of development and, and also gameplay.
0: Right. And so now have you coached male athletes?
1: Not for a season. Um, like in previous seasons with Orlando, um, I've worked with, with the MLS goalkeepers, um, like in pre, I took preseason with with some of them um, last season, and then there'd be times where the goalkeeper that wasn't travelling, I would do sessions with. Um, so yeah, I, I have I have worked with with male goalkeepers. The majority of my experiences in the pro side has been with um, the female game, obviously. Um, but there's like collegiate level kids that that I've worked with and um, that are male um, as well as the MLS guys. So. I do have experience on both sides.
0: Yeah. So the reason I asked that, uh, because I want to know, like, what are your, the differences between coaching females versus male athletes that you've experienced?
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a really interesting question because there aren't that many differences. Like there are some, obviously some physiological differences, um, for sure. Like just raw athleticism, um, like just males are just more powerful and more springy and have have a little more about that about their game. But I do feel like the female athletes are very attentive to details. So you, like I could I could break stuff down a video session or within training and and the the fem, female goalkeepers want to know why they want to know how they want to know um well what if whereas the guys sometimes just like yeah.
0: <laughs> or, or,
1: or, 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 or They're like, no, don't like that, and and they, there's no real rhyme or reason <laughs> for it.
0: So
1: there are definitely differences, and I think there's there's tactical differences as well. Just something like a, a, a cross, like the velocity that that, that a male can hit across is obviously quicker, so that's shorter reaction time for the goalkeeper. So their starting position may be different than it would be in the female game. Um, but in general i like, like when i coach guys and when i coach girls like there's no difference about my session at all like i wouldn't i wouldn't not do something with a female athlete because they can't do it because they can do everything that the guys can um, so there's not many changes i i would actually say most of the differences is just on physically being able to jump higher physically being able to, being able to move quicker or be more powerful Uh, have a have a larger extension um but other than that like there's not I wouldn't do anything different within my sessions
0: okay and so how do you manage disappointments from a coach's perspective and then also obviously managing the athletes um keeping their spirits up because sometimes you have those games and everyone puts all the weight, the loss and disappointment of the game on the goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you navigate those waters?
1: Yeah, it's like for me, it's about having that personal connection with, with the goalkeepers. So like if they're hurting, like I want them to feel open to be able to call me or we'll go get a coffee and talk about it. Cause sometimes, you know, within the training ground and and that, like sometimes you just want to get out of that environment and go to Starbucks and talk about it and be away from the other players or the other staff or whatever, just have a fresh, fresh head. But like, I think with goalkeeping, there is a realization that it's just a part of the position, you know, like you're either going to be the hero or the goat. And sometimes you're the Jurassic Park goat getting <laughs> in by the T Rex. So, like, I think as long as I think this is where it's kind of sets apart, like the world class goalkeepers from like the the that that they're pretty good goalkeepers, is that the world class will like make an error, but they'll grow from that error. Um, and you'd you'd like to say them they don't make that error again, or it will be a you know a real area that you see oh that's just a one-off um so it, it is tough like and especially for younger goalkeepers like you know like if you've got a, a 10 11 year old kid and they've played in a game and, and their team's lost 10 nil 11 11 zero like that's kind of demoralizing for younger kids at times so I think it's it's up to us as coaches to let that player those younger players especially understand that just because you conceded conceded 10 goals, that isn't a measurement of your performance. Like you could have the game of your life and lose 10-0, and you could play really, really bad and win a game 2-1. So I I think the the result of the team or the the result of the scoreline isn't always a measurement of your performance. And I think that's really important to to tell that to younger players especially younger goalkeepers because they get so wrapped up on I conceded five goals and I'm the worst goalkeeper ever and like we all have bad days do you know what I mean like it's it's part of it but they always correlate that to the score or how many goals they conceded or they think they've had a great game because they've conceded zero goals but They haven't passed to any one of their team. They haven't caught a single cross. They haven't made any saves or if they have, they've dropped it. So I think it's understanding that, you know, like the measurement of of goalkeeping shouldn't be on the scoreline. It should be on the overall um, performance.
0: So obviously that's, that can be a challenge of, you know, coaching. What are some other challenges that you experience as a coach?
1: Well, I mean, like, just, just personally, like, being away from family and, and, and that side of things is, is a challenge, um, but, like, I think the, the, one of the biggest challenges that, that I have on the field is the, the differences in, in ability at times, like, we have Olympic-level athletes, and then we have kids that have just graduated college. So it's obviously completely varying experiences. It's almost like having a kindergarten kid and someone that's just about to um, graduate from college at times. Now that's a really extreme um, way of putting it. But as far as a 22 year old and a 32 year old, that's 10 years of, of playing soccer that they've got over the other one, which is, 10 years of of, um of growth that they've they've had and and 10 years of understanding the, the difference between the speed of play as a professional and as a collegiate athlete and i think anytime you speak to a younger a younger soccer player that's in our league and the the question they often get asked is like what's the big difference between college and the pro game it's they'll always say the speed of play so I think it's, um, that is always a challenge. It's, it's almost getting those younger goalkeepers up to speed with this is the expectation. You can get away with this in college, but you're not going to be able to get away with it now because now you're playing against Megan Rapino and you're playing against uh, Lindsay Horan and you're playing against people that are going to punish you. So um, it's getting them up to speed is, is the biggest challenge, um, I guess, as, as a coach. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else I would find challenging. Like the, the rest of it is, is, um, really enjoyable. Like I love doing what I do. Like it's, it's amazing. Like, um, I mean, I could be back in England being a postman or something like that. And I'm, I'm really, <laughs> really fortunate to be like, you doing something that I love. So
0: <laughs> or I, I, piece. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So honestly, like, I, I just see the challenges as, as part of it. And like, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a teacher. So, um, that it, that's a, that's a, a measurement of my ability as a coach is have, have, has that individual learned and have they grown? And, and I'd like to, to think that, um, the, like a decent amount of goalkeepers that have kind of left my nest have gone on to do things, which is, which is, um, something that, that is really rewarding for me.
0: Nice. So, Okay. Speaking of athletes who have gone on, or even some of your current athletes, what would they say about you? Um,
1: my my, how, <laughs> my face the, would be on a dartboard, and they'd be, like, throwing, <laughs> throwing axes at it. Um, that's a really good question, and no one's ever asked me that. Like, I, like, I would like to think that... Um, like I'm someone that they they feel that they can lean on when they need, when they need to be, be lent on. And like, if there's things going on outside of soccer that they, if they needed to speak to someone that they would feel like I would be, they would be able to open up to me. Um, But like, I would, I would, I mean, my job is for them to make them better. So if, if they feel like after a week or a year or two years or, whatever if they feel like their growth has, has gone on an upward scale and and you know when people say oh what was lloyd like and they say well he made me a better goalkeeper like that's me doing my job at the end of the day um like i would like to think that that they enjoy the sessions but that's just that's not always going to be the case um but if they feel like i've made them better then like i think that would be the one thing that i'd really want to hear them say like like I really felt like uh, I got better and I enjoyed, um, you know, I enjoyed that growth.
0: That's that's always uh, important, you know, to have a coach who, one who cares about you and who cares about not just as a player, but on a personal level because there's life after sports mm-hmm. and you want to be able to at least – garner something from that coach that can teach you life lessons and that you can take as you move past sports and go into your next journey, whatever that may be. So that's yeah. always important. And yeah. Um, yeah,
1: it's, like, it's like one of those, like if, if there's a keeper that I coach that, that's in the league and like, they're just happy to see me. And, and like, for me, that's an indication that they probably got something out of being around me, which is, which is rewarding, you know, as a coach, like you, you, want, you want players to feel like they got better. So like, you know, the, a youth national team kid, I might not see them for four or five years, but if they remember, remember me, that's probably a good sign that they remembered something from the session. Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Nice. So before closing out, what would you, what tips or, you know, just advice you would give to younger athletes who aspire to play on a professional level. So that can be obviously tips for high school kids, middle school, what have you, and even the collegiate athletes who are one step away from the pro- professional level.
1: Yeah, I think a big one is to um, watch the game. So if you wanna play in the MLS or if you wanna play in the NWSL or you wanna play in the Premier League, and you think you're good enough to make it at any of those levels or you're a high school kid and you want to play D1 D one ball or you want to play at college. Like you got to watch those games because if you don't, you don't know who you're measuring yourself up against. And I think a lot of younger kids, they're like, you know, I want to go play for UNC or I want to go play at UVA or I want to play at UCLA, like, whatever, any of those big programs, but they've never watched a game. So like, how do you, how do you know if you're, if you're good enough for that level or, how do you know what that level looks like and, and how do you keep on that path to get to that level? Um So I think that is, that is, that is massive. And I think, I mean, for me to be a pro, like you've got to have a growth mindset and if you don't have a growth mindset and you're not getting better every day and you're not hungry to get better, I, I, you're, you're going to hit a wall at some point. Um Like I want players and athletes that don't see walls they 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 have they have a ladder with them and they put the ladder and they're over the wall, um, to get better. So, yeah, I think watching the game is really important. Like we spoke about the mental side and, you know, you mentioned nutrition and, and those things and any, anything that you can get an edge on someone like that's going to be huge for you when you are pro or college or any environment that you're going to be in com- competition. Um, for a position against another person. Like if you're doing things that they're not, you're going to be in a better position. So knowing the opposition, watching game film, reviewing your training sessions, eating right, behaving right outside, getting around good people. Like all of that stuff is gonna hold you in like, in a good way um, to get better. Now, if you're out partying and you're, you're, you're not doing that stuff and you're, you're not watching the game, you're watching I don't know, you're watching something else on TV, you're watching Game of Thrones, whereas you could be watching a, a soccer game. Like you're not going to get better. Now, there'll be someone that might have less ability, but they're growing, and soon that ability will overtake. So do the little things that, that you don't think your competition's doing, and you're going to keep growing. And, and I think that understanding the game is a massive one, and, and, and when they watch the game, it's like put especially for a goalkeeper. I think it's watching the game and going. Well, what is that goalkeeper doing? Like, if you're watching, you know, uh, Allison who plays for Liverpool or or Edison at Man City or any of those guys, like, see what they see and try and understand the decisions that they're making, and that will help your growth.
0: Definitely, yep. So I think um, all of that is some. That is that. Those are some great points, great tips, and um, visualization for sure. You know, if you're not in a position where you can actually watch film or anything like that, just visualize maybe what you did in training or visualize what you want to see yourself doing for the upcoming game or something like that. So those are all key, important aspects. And and I agree with that. Um, Being coachable, respectful and having just a good support system, a good group of people that you're around because you do pull from the people that you're around. So you always want to surround yourself with positive, um, like-minded individuals. Right? Doubt. Would you agree with that coach?
1: I most definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think you're always judged by, by people you're around and that, that sounds, that sounds bad. But if, if you get in with a, a bad crowd or a crowd that has a reputation of being lazy or, you know, whatever that reputation may be that has negative connotations, like, you gotta change that and you gotta you gotta be the bigger person and if you have if you have um lofty goals then you're gonna to have to make sacrifices and I think that's something that people don't talk about like you know if you want to be the best like you're you're making sacrifices away from like you know going out with friends or um family events or like I can't tell you the amount of weddings or funerals and things like that that I've missed like anniversaries and birthdays because like I want to be the best at what I do. So sometimes those, those sacrifices um, have to happen. Like if you want to be the best, you have to make sacrifices. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is very true. I think everybody who is a part of the athlete's team as well as the athlete, they're all making sacrifices um, on so many different levels. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you all for tuning in and a special thank you to my guests. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.